You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Booker T and the MGs album Green Onions. In the room, I have Rob, Hi, John, Hey, Sean, Hi, and Ben. Mm-hmm. All right, Green Onions is the debut album from Booker T and the MGs, released on Stack Records in October 1962. Produced by Jim Stewart, the genre is R&B and soul. In 1962, Booker T and the MGs formed as the house band of Stack Records, providing the backing band for numerous singers, including Wilson Pickett and Otis Redding. The group was comprised of 17-year-old keyboardist Booker T. Jones, 20-year-old guitarist Steve Cropper, and two seasoned players, bassist Lowell Steinberg and drummer Al Jackson Jr. In the summer of 1962, during some downtime in a Memphis studio backing Billy Lee Riley, the group started playing around with a bluesy organ riff. The stack president, Jim Stewart, was in the control booth and decided to go ahead and record it. That track became Green Onions, an instant classic that bolted straight to number one on the U.S. Billboard R&B chart and number three on the pop charts. It sold over one million copies and was certified gold. That October, the band released the all-instrumental album Green Onions, aside from the title track, and a sequel, Mo Onions, and Behave Yourself, the album consisted of instrumental covers of popular hits. The instrumental band was influential in shaping the stack sound of Southern Soul and Memphis Soul throughout the 60s, influencing countless other groups. How did we like Green Onions? I'll start off. Go for <laughs> uh, it. So prior to uh, having to listen to the whole album, somebody's like, do you like Booker T and the MGs? I would say, absolutely, they're amazing. Have you heard Green Onions? But then I listened to the entire album, and uh, it's kind of a lot of a certain type of thing. And unless you are trying to, you know, put a soundtrack on at your haberdashery that sells hats with large feathers, it's not necessarily what you want to listen to over and over again. But uh, Green Onions is a banger. (laughs) Uh, The song, not the entire album. And there's some interesting effects on some of the other songs, but... It's a it's a lot of a lot of organ grooves and no vocals and kind of kind of kind of couldn't take it after a while. Well, you know, it makes sense for what it is. You know that that album was really cobbled together based on the su- the surprise success of Green Onions, which was a surprise. Su- they were surprised when they wrote it. You know, they were just hanging out in between sessions and riffing, and the tape was rolling. All of a sudden, they had a hit single. I, I read that like the 
the Memphis DJ that got a hold of it played it five times in a row, and and then it was a hit. So we got to go back in and record the rest of an album. You know, uh, I don't think it's their strongest record, but I think it's representative of of the band. Yeah, and I like the band. As for as for bands that are really just backing bands for for other singers, I think the MGs are one of the better ones. I, I thought the same thing. It sort of has that. It kicks off with the best track, mm-hmm. and they know it. Like it's that's a kick-ass track. Uh, I wrote that it's probably the first song, possibly in history, that could be described as badass. <laughs> like because you feel awesome when you hear it. It's just like. Every time I hear it, it just takes me back to the first time I watched The Sandlot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have we heard any other songs on any other albums where there's an aside that just goes, yeah? <laughs> because Green Onions is the only song on the entire album, Green Onions, that has any vocals, and the only vocals are, I think, two yeahs. <laughs> and you know, like it, it, it wasn't even mic'd. Like, that's just getting picked yeah, up by I think like, that's just the, the, the guys, guitar mic right? or yeah. the drum mic. You know, it's just one of them... Mid song, being like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you, but you feel that, yeah. The craziest thing was like thinking about how he was seventeen and doing that, and he seemed so like relaxed about. It. I mean, the whole album he's just like confident and relaxed, but he was also like planning the prom and like conducting a school's orchestra and like doing all this. He was like a super kid, yeah. And he was somehow making this really sophisticated, confident, just like soulful album. And, you know, then going to school and, like, being in the school band. Yeah, even if he hadn't recorded Green Onion Speed 17 and a yeah. studio organist for Stax. Yeah, yeah that's insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same ballpark as you, John. It's a, it's a right-out-of-the-gate great song, and then everything else is just kind of like, oh, God damn it. I am not... Eight years old in 1962, and I'm 17 in 1962. But I do know this: I have a real issue with Roots Rock and the Roots Rock revival. So it's like going back to the original Cancer. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Oh. <laughs> that's I mean, I listened to it while I was doing like some really heavy accounting at work, and it was actually really great because that's when you're like, I'm having fun, you know. <laughs> when the bass is really low, like just a level of fun. Accounting level fun. Yeah, accounting level fun that I was yeah. jamming. But yeah, if I like had a party, I'd be like, it's almost over, guys. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah, do you, do you think the audacity of Mo Onions uh, <laughs> works against them? Because you hear it and you're like, wait, this isn't Green Onions. This kind of sounds like it, but no. I mean, at least they didn't call it, it More Onions. Yeah. yeah, that'd be... yeah. <laughs> I, I go back to the... the, the they weren't expecting to record Exactly, exactly. They're... Um, <laughs> Well, Behave Yourself, number six, is like the second best, I would say. It's it, It's got a great sound, and it's a little more low-key, but it's like... It's yeah, the other original. The other original, yeah. I think they, 
I think exactly what you were saying. They probably cobbled together all these tracks because they're like, well, let's release the album. We already got the single out. Time to, you know, make some more money, do this, uh, just do some covers. Yeah, and I've, I've got no That's problems fine. with, like, instrumental covers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I fucking love the Ventures. Ventures. Yeah. Uh, but just for whatever reason, this, uh, the, the specific um, style, it, 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 it kind of bores me. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's not exciting, especially coming off of fucking Green Onions, man. Like that's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it made heart that uh you know sucks to peak like sounds seventeen. Good. I think it sounds think good though. Fine. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you talk about it from a sound perspective, you can see that these are the building blocks that made them a great backing band, and that sort of helped shape that kind of gritty Memphis sound. I mean, this is not the Nashville sound. This is the Memphis sound. Mm -hmm. But when you hear it stripped from all the things that they back, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's it's not as robust. They did, um, at least I, I, th I saw thought on um, Coming Home Baby, they had a really interesting, I don't know what else to call it, kind of like a layered echo effect on the organ when it comes back in. And that sort of made me think about future psychedelic uh, rock sort of use of the organ and kind of making it a... a, a a wider, rounder sound. Yeah, they do that on Green Onions too. When the guitar comes in, it's like halfway through, and they put that they put like an echo on the guitar. It sounds sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that that kind of style was um, was kind of something that they they would do sometimes midway through songs for artists uh, like I'm thinking of Space Guitar, Johnny Guitar Watson. Um, but they would they would like you would play the solo, and then they'd throw on like a like the reverb, and then have the same same sort of sound, but it sounded different. It sounded fresh, you know. Mm -hmm. Very cool sound. Speaking of guitars, Colonel Steve Cropper is one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, the, like not just the stuff that he did with the MGs, but I guess also you know it was still technically MGs, but like like his guitar work they did like the Sam and Dave stuff, like on Soul Man, that cool guitar intro. Uh, the stuff he did on like the Doc of the Bay album, he co-wrote Doc of the Bay with Otis Redding, and he's a blues brother. And then, <laughs> and then one of the later MGs, uh, Duck Dunn. Donald Duck Dunn. Duck Dunn is a blues brother. Also a yeah. blues brother. Also. I would say this is probably, is it the first album that you would say like, this is like the blues brother kind of sound? Well, absolutely. There are blues they, brothers Although involved. I guess Muddy Waters, you know. Oh, Yeah. Like actual yeah. blues, actual blues. <laughs> 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 blues performed by like a blues great. Wait, are the blues brothers not blues? Are we talking about the Blues Brothers 2000? Yes, yes. With the, okay. when they when they return to like the real roots of with Good Man, yes, with Good Man, okay. and 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 child. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was Jim Belushi also in that? Uh, he may have been. Oh shit! Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> replaced. Him. I never I never gave that one boy, the, the two hours boy, of my time boy. actually. Thanks, uh, Green Onions. <laughs> you brought yeah. us Blues Brothers 2000. Booker T is such a great player, too. I mean, you were talking about the guitarist, but, man, for 17, yeah, he is phenomenal. Um, well, that was, like, his, like, fourth instrument or something, too. Was like, well, he was, like, a, yeah. what, a drummer, maybe? And then, like, did I read that right? I don't remember. I don't yeah. He, was, he, he played, like, everything. He, Kind of a genius. Yeah, it's amazing. You call him a dingus. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a dingus. It's kind of a dingus. I only played four instruments. I did call num number two stinky dink. <laughs> a brinky dink. I hate that word. I told you. Um, would was this also? Uh, is he playing a B three on this? Did anyone look it's that up? Hammond, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
he's playing that Hammond. I mean, this is the 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 was it Jimmy Smith, right? Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Smith. So this is the this is our second introduction of uh, B three. Uh, Took as far the ball as this, and this is concerned. ran with it. Yeah. yeah. But you can yeah. hear here that he's not using the the foot keyboard to do the bass because he's got an actual bass. Mm -hmm. So he's able to do, I guess, probably more focus on doing interesting runs and things that Jimmy Smith couldn't do. We've discussed this before, but some of these albums are like the the merit is the single. Yeah, um, absolutely. So in in that case, I would say you know, yeah, Green Onions is a, a timeless classic. Mm -hmm. um, also, the beautiful artwork. That's a great <laughs> album cover. It's a great album cover. Yeah, and it it makes me happy that we've come this far in our genetic manipulation of Green Onions, where I don't have to buy anything that looks like that from the grocery store. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm happy that. Uh, and scene. <laughs> so, do you think that this album was so cobbled together that they just like sent Al Jackson down to the grocery store with a camera and said, "We need a we need a cover photo now, for record yesterday." <laughs> to take a picture. I could definitely see that. Just went out in the yard and just. <laughs> I did right. Uh, some things, some of his playing when he gets into more intense solos, he, it's it's got that real clicky sound. Mm -hmm. um, track eight, uh, Lonely Avenue, about a minute in, it has this almost like unreal kind of sound because he's he's doing these trills so fast that you hear this almost like clicky. It, it almost doesn't sound like a like an organ the way he's playing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I guess Rob kind of brought it out. You know, fix it in post. What, what do we think? <laughs> What do we think of the, this album as a whole, and in in the book, is it? Do we all kind of feel the same way that it's got some good songs, but maybe as a whole album, it's it's not the it's not the classic that strong of a record. I think that Booker T and the MGs as a group belong in the book. Yeah, uh, I think they have stronger albums, but none of those albums have Green Onions on them. Right. You know. And it's kind of amazing to see a backing band get get yeah. this credit, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were just, just messing around in the studio. Did anyone else uh, listen to the version of the album? Must have been like a reissue that had a couple live tracks at the end of it. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. They were hot. <laughs> it was it was Green Onions and it was, it was Can't Sit Down, which we're actually listening to in our headphones right now. About a time and a half quicker oh. and, and just rowdy. It's really cool. Like yeah, I don't think it's one that you have to listen to before you die, but you have to hear Green Onions before you die. Yeah. You need to see and, the Sandlot before you, you die. <laughs> and, and I have, and so I can. And I'm just waiting for. See you in hell. How many? Uh, if if you've been if you've been home from the hospital for a week after you're born and have two working ears, you've probably <laughs> heard Green, Green Onions. onions. Yeah. But I do think it's like a really specific type of 
song or type of album. Like, you can listen to it while you grocery shop. Like, like I said with the accounting, like, do your most boring activity, and it will elevate it a little bit. So it's got that going for it. That's true. <laughs> That's a, a true backing band. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll back your chores. Yes, soundtrack to laundry. <laughs> when did Donald Duck Dunn join the band? Was it after this album, or was it a few more in, do you know? Yeah, I think it was after this album. Yeah, it was after, but not too many more. I think, because this is, what, 63? This is 62. Yeah, he, I think he joined in 64. All right. He's always smoking that pipe. He looks equally cool and like a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> As cool nerds go, he's he's way up there. He's not, what's his name, Edgar Winner? <laughs> he is. He's got, the, he, he's got the, the, he's really got that cool nerd vibe. Like, you look at him, you're like, okay, you were totally in band in high school. But now you're up there with the MGs and you're smoking a pipe and it's kind of dorky, but also you're killing it. So, you know, good job, cool nerd. Yeah. And then other nerds probably emulated him after and he created a whole new type of cool nerd. Yeah, like the, uh, the, the drummer, from, or drummer from Cheap Shirk, uh, chain smoking. Very, very, uh, very much. Bunny Carlos, Bunny Carlos yeah. cool nerd. <laughs> Rick Nielsen, cool nerd. Very cool nerd. Yeah. Let's hear it for the cool nerds, guys. <laughs> Next episode, we'll be talking about uh, Stan Getz and Charlie Bird's Jazz Samba. That's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.